It's Christmas Eve. Where did you all come from? This is unbelievable. Our parking lot is jammed. We have overflow, people standing in the back. Uh, This is a zoo today. Can we just give God some praise for his goodness to us? Amen. Really good. So we're so glad that you're here, whether you're a regular attender at Grace Uh, whether you're one of the consistent and faithful people who worship here on a regular basis, we're so grateful. And we greet all of you who are joining us from Saratoga, all of you from Half Moon, those in Latham. We're all one church, just meeting in different places. And uh, we're one of the expressions of God's body. There are many other wonderful churches. We just happen to be one of them that God has raised up in the Capital District. We're so glad that you're here to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ into this world. Well, for the whole month of December, we've been looking at the role of angels in the Christmas story. And it's been kind of interesting. And many of you have given feedback about how enjoyable this is and how much you've been learning. But I invite you today on this Christmas Eve to explore what an angel said to a group of unsuspecting shepherds who were out on a hillside in Judea long, long ago. I'm gonna read a few verses starting in Luke's Gospel, chapter two, and uh, I'm starting in verse eight. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. You know, I think we live in a time when we desperately need some good news. Would you agree? I believe the message that this angel brought to those shepherds that evening long ago contains the greatest news we could possibly hear. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life, personal things that you may be going through, but I'm convinced that God has a word from his word that he wants you to hear on this Christmas Eve. Now, there's four short phrases in that passage we just read that just grabbed me. All of them happen to appear in verse 10. So 
I'm gonna let God's word just speak for itself, not gonna change a single word of these phrases, and I want us to consider them straight out of verse 10, the way the angel spoke them so long ago. The first message he gave is do not, do not be afraid. I'm curious, what tends to scare you? You know, some people have an intense fear of Christmas itself. It's true. It's called Christogeniaticophobia. Yes, I practiced that word. I really did. Christogeniaticophobia. It's a real thing, and it's a fear of Christmas itself. Now, it may be related to Santa Claus and early childhood experiences or something like that, uh, but it usually revolves around anxiety and stress that tend to accompany the Christmas season and all of its built-in expectations, right? For instance, maybe you're afraid that people won't like the gifts you bought them. Or maybe you're concerned that you won't really like the ones you receive. Or perhaps you're afraid that your cousin Eddie's gonna show up and wreck your holiday cheer. It happens, you know. Perhaps you're afraid that your family members who are coming are gonna sit around the dinner table and argue over politics. Oh, my. Or start talking about arcane conspiracy theories. And you're afraid that somehow family relationships are gonna be strained. Let's face it, there are legitimate fears that we need to be aware of. The text we just read said the shepherds were out in the fields keeping watch. Now, why were they keeping watch? They're keeping watch because they know there's some things you ought to be concerned about. There were beast that could come and kill their sheep. There were rustlers that could come and steal them. And besides, these guys were kind of nobodies in their culture. They had virtually no civil rights or personal rights. They lived under a corrupt government where they could be falsely accused, they could be imprisoned, even executed without any legitimate reason. So you can bet that out on the hillside that evening, you can bet that any sudden movement tended to alarm them or startle them. But when this angel appeared, they were downright terrified. I like what the old King James, the old Elizabethan language says, they were sore afraid. Yeah. And we're living in fearful times too. We're kind of like that little first grader who played an angel in the Christmas pageant. And he just had one line, just one line in the whole pageant. This little angel, first grader, came out there and he was supposed to say, this is his one line, it is I, be not afraid. And his mother coached him like any good parent would. And she said, now look, when you say your line, I want you to stand up straight and look confident. You might even lower your voice and go, it is I, be not afraid. And she kept on rehearsing it with him. It is I, be not afraid. And he thought he had it down. But when he got on the platform and all of those stage lights hit him in the face, he went blank. He had a horrible case of stage fright. And after just an awkward silence, he finally just improvised and said, it's me and I'm scared to death. <laughs> well, 
you know, we need to hear what those angels, that angel said to those shepherds so long ago. Don't be afraid because unto you is born this day a Savior, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, I hope you know that doesn't mean you'll never have any difficult times in your life. You know better than that, right? In fact, Jesus made that very clear. In spite of the fact that the good news is very real, it doesn't mean we won't have trouble. He said, in this world, you're gonna have it, but, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And the implication is through his strength and his empowering presence in our life, we can overcome the world too. So the angel said first to the shepherds, don't be afraid. And then he said, because, here's the second one that just grabs me, because I bring you good news. Now, Christians, let's have a moment right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, let, let's just huddle up here for a moment. I just wanna share something that I'm convicted about. Here's what I think about us. I think, those of us who follow Jesus, I think we tend to forget how good the good news really is. Would you agree with me? I mean, it is awfully good news, but we just hear it so often, it kind of becomes bland and, and just blasé to us. So in case you've forgotten, or in case you just need a nice reminder, I wanna tell you what this good news really is in a nutshell. Here it is, here it is. If you've ever wondered what Christians are talking about when they talk about the gospel being good news, here it is, here it is. Although I'm alienated from God because of my sin, and I am, and although I'm deserving of God's just wrath, and I am, because he's a just God and sin deserves punishment. In spite of that, God in his love, even when I had no concern for him whatsoever, in fact, I was quite, quite defiant and rebellious against God, God said, I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna solve this problem that you can never solve. God provided a way for us to be delivered from that situation. He provided for my freedom from sin, my fulfillment in this life, and most important, the forgiveness for all the wrong things that I've done. Jesus accomplished all of that and more in his death on the cross and his subsequent resur resurrection. Folks, that's the good news. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. You gotta admit, that is good news indeed. And so here's the deal. God says to any one of us today where he's stirring in our hearts, where we're willing to come to him in true repentance and brokenness, God says, look, here it is. I'll forgive all your sin. I'll adopt you into my family. I'll literally come inside of you by my spirit and begin to change you from the inside out we get adopted into God's family. We become a part of the winning team. Now, I wanna tell you, I hope you hear some good news this Christmas, but you'll never hear any news as good as that. That's the best news any of us could ever hear. 
And that's the news the angel was speaking of. And by the way, by the way, in the last book of the Bible, it's called the Revelation, says that one day, Jesus Christ, this little baby born in Bethlehem, who grew in wisdom and stature, who grew up to be a conquering king, is now seated in power and glory. One day, he's gonna return. And he's gonna put all of his enemies under his feet. It doesn't matter how much evil may seem to be winning right now. In the end, Christ is gonna reign. And the message of the Bible is that every knee will bow to him and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christians, sometimes you gotta admit, we just forget how good the good news really is. No wonder the angel said, don't be afraid because I bring you good news. And then he added a phrase, and this is the third this is the f- third phrase that just grabs me of great joy. Now, like I said last week, Christmas is not a joyful time for many people. It's quite depressing, actually. For instance, if you're alone and you don't really wanna be alone, Christmas just tends to make things worse, right? It just accentuates the fact that you're alone. Or perhaps, perhaps this year there's been a death in your family. And there's an empty chair at the table this Christmas. Or maybe your children are grown and gone and and you're struggling with that. Or maybe you've just had a relationship break up and you're, you're feeling this emptiness inside. Listen, those are all major life issues and they weigh on us heavily. So I suppose that no one ever feels like their Christmas is perfect, right? But the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Now you may say, Pastor, how can you even speak of joy in a time like this? The war in Ukraine grinds on. War in the Middle East seems to be no easy solution. The violence in our own country is escalating. It's actually shocking some of the things that we're seeing. Recently, a columnist named Rick Newman said, if America has a national mood right now, that mood would be gloom. It would be gloom. The CDC reports that our suicide rate in the U.S. is the highest ever recorded. In fact, it's gone up 50% just in the last two decades alone. And surveys reveal that only 21% of the American people believe that life for our children's generation will be better than it was for us. Only 21% believe that. So joy, joy? How can we even speak of joy in times like this? But frankly, this national gloom is not surprising Because if you drill beneath the surface of people's beliefs and where they're coming from, we love to call ourselves spiritual people, but we better find out what we mean by that. George Barna is a respected 
pollster, one who constantly is researching and surveying the American people for their beliefs and their practices. In, recent, in a very recent survey, he found that only 4% of Americans, 4%, truly embrace a biblical worldview. What does that mean? What does that mean? Meaning that they build their whole lives, their decisions in life, their whole values, their belief system on biblical principles. 4%. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he gathered his disciples in an upper room as recorded in John 16. And he said, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one, no one will take away your joy. Oh, I like that. That's the kind of joy Jesus gives. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. So let me tell you, if you're waiting until everything is absolutely perfect in your life before you enjoy Christmas, you're never gonna enjoy it. You're just gonna make everybody around you miserable and you'll be miserable yourself. But you can have joy in Jesus regardless of the circumstances. Don't be afraid. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. And here's that fourth and final phrase that just grabs my soul. Here's what the angel said, that will be for all the people. Whoa, it's for everyone. People think the gospel's just for the poor. It's not just for the poor, it's for the rich and everyone in between. People think the gospel's just for the old. You know, those who are got one foot in the grave already and need to think about dying in the afternoon. No, it's not just for the old. The good news is for the young and the middle age. It's not just for blacks or whites or Asians or Hispanics. It's for everyone. God invites us to come just as I am, as the old song says, without one plea. Here's what that means. I don't have to clean myself up first and then come to God. In fact, that's a fallacy. I could never clean myself up first. Only God can do that. And so that song is so appropriate. That old invitation song that said, just as I am without one plea. We come to God and we go, Lord, here I am. In all my sin and all my shame and all my regrets and all my brokenness. I give it all to you, just as I am. That's the bold invitation of God. Come as you are. You know, the Bible is an amazing book. I hope you're discovering that. I hope you're reading it uh, day by day in your life. It's just filled with richness and all these amazing jewels, things to help us and guide our lives. But when you read the last chapter in the Bible, it's called Revelation 22. I'll tell you, there's a verse there that tells us who the invitation is for. Here's what it says. The Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, the church, those who really belong to Jesus say, hey, come, come. And let him who hears say, come. It's a welcome thing. You're, you're invited. Whoever's thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him or her take the free gift of the water of life. Can I tell you what the kingdom of God's about? 
God's throwing a party. It's a raucous event. And it sounds to me like the invitation list is pretty wide open. Whosoever will may come to the party. God didn't have to do that. I don't deserve to be invited to the party. I did nothing to deserve it. That's so gracious of God. He could be discriminating, but he chooses to let sinners like me come to his banquet. I love the fact that the shepherds were the first to hear the announcement of Christ's birth. They were the lowest on the social ladder, by the way. It was a despised occupation in that culture, being a shepherd. An equivalent might be scrubbing dirty floors or washing toilets or something. It was a humble occupation indeed. They were the first guests to see the baby Jesus. But then sometime later came the wise men from the east. So different. They were wealthy intellectuals. They had designer clothes. They had been to the best elite schools of the day. And they came with their expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's just God's way of saying, everybody's welcome. But are you still listening? Don't assume wrong things here. When God says everybody's welcome, here's the one thing, one, just one, that every invitee has to have in common. If you're gonna come to his party and really enter in, you gotta be a broken sinner in desperate, desperate need for a remedy because you realize there's no other way. Because sin is destroying your life and you humbly come before God and you surrender your life to him. Now in just a moment, in just a moment, I'm gonna pass the baton to our campus pastors and they're going to lead our service from this point on. But when, when we come to that point in our service a little bit later, when we light a candle and then we pass, we pass that light from candle to candle to candle. If you sense God's invitation, here's what I'm saying. If God is stirring your heart to respond and you know you're a broken sinner in desperate need, there's no other way but the Savior Jesus. And I urge you to say, yes, yes, Lord to God's gracious invitation and surrender your life to him.